Welcome back to Bible Love. Today is the Feast of St. Andrew. And so, um, in recognition of that, here's the collect for St. Andrew. Let us pray. Almighty God, who gave such grace to your apostle Andrew that he readily obeyed the call of your son, Jesus Christ, and brought his brother with him. Give us, who are called by your holy word, grace to follow him without delay and to bring those near to us in his gracious presence, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, Alan, hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Yeah, it was good. Lots of food, lots of family stuff, lots of football and uh, too few naps. But, you know, you can't have everything. I got a nap in every day. I like made that a priority. I was like getting a nap in every day. We had a great Thanksgiving. One of the awesome things that Church of the Resurrection does is one of our big fundraisers we do for outreach is a a turkey trot, a Thanksgiving Day run. Um, And we had... 230 runners that was the most we've ever had and it was just so fun and exciting to watch and worth getting up at 6 30 a.m on thanksgiving day and a lot of times i'm not here and i happen to be here this year and it was just really fun and um just so grateful um that all that money can go to people in need which is just awesome so that was a highlight of of my Thanksgiving um, weekend. And then last night I got to have um, our youth group. Um, I hosted it here and we had a big bonfire in the backyard and it was just lots of fun. Um, My parents are here and um, we made hamburger sliders and the kids just loved it. So it was a lot on Sunday. So it was a lot of fun. Well, so today we're talking about Lamentations, which Mm -hmm. is a very interesting book of the Bible. Um, y'all know I love grandmother's um, good news Bible, and she actually had um, several things underlined, and um, I'll, I'll bring that up when we get to it. But um, so this this book is is actually poetry, which I always feels I feel like it's a little bit more in Alan's wheelhouse than it is in mine. But it's five poems, a collection of five poems. It's just five chapters. It's very short lamenting the destruction of Jerusalem in 586 BC and um, sort of its after, after the aftermath of its ruin and exile. But so a lot of this book is, is sort of mournful um, and sad, but it also has um, some, some parts of trust and God and hope for the future. And one of the things I found when I was researching was these poems are also used by Jewish people today in worship on their annual days of fasting and mourning when they commemorate the national disaster of 586 BC. Um, so I thought that it's still like very much in use now in the Jewish community. Um, and so it sort of, it, it talks about the sorrows in the first, um, uh, the first chapter of Jerusalem. The punishment is the second chapter. Punishment and hope in the third. Um, Jerusalem and ruins in the fourth. And then this, it ends with this prayer 
for mercy in the fifth chapter. So it's very poetic in the way that it's written, which I always kind of feel like is a good thing when the Bible's written in different kinds of ways, because we're different kind of people, right? And we can relate to different ways of writing and poetry would be something that my husband Murray would like go right towards. And it's not necessarily something I would go towards, but you know, there are people that do identify in that way. So I think that's good. Um, And then I can't help but think about just the state of the world and Jerusalem right now and sort of like how timely and, and remembering that we've been through this before and God has prevailed and, um, and we're seeing that, you know, as prisoners are being released and, you know, there was a lot in the news this week about that. And, um, and God has been merciful, you know, um, even though there's been a lot of sorrow as well. So that's kind of my thoughts about Lamentations overall. What about you? Yeah, uh, the poetry aspect is interesting to me. One of the things we lose, if you read this right um, in an English translation, you're going to see it set apart differently. Yeah. It's not blocks of text. So that's a, that's a clue um, that it's poetry. That's one way we figure that out. The Psalms are set up the same way. When Paul quotes poetry, it's set up the same way. So that's a, a visual tell. One thing we lose in English translations, um, even though we try to maintain the beauty of the language, like the first four of these, um, they're acrostics. So there's 22 verses, 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet of the time. And so an acrostic, right? For us, it would be a, the first line is A, second line starts with B, C, it'd be 26 lines. Here, uh, the first three um, chapters are 22 verses, chapter four or maybe chapter three is 66 verses. So it's an acrostic three times. We don't pick that up because for us, chapter one is an H. I mean, or verse one is an H, verse two is an S. We lose that. Um, So that's one of the ways that. Okay. So that's so interesting. Let's go back and talk about that a little bit more. So one, two, four, and five are exactly 22 verses. But, But chapter five is not an acrostic, even though it happens to be 22 verses. It, and then, it's the same number of verses, but it's it's not alphabetical. Okay. And then chapter three is 66 verses. It's three acrostics in a row. It's A, B, C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Right? You wouldn't know that unless you read a commentary or unless you happen to, to read Hebrew and see that because... Really interesting. Well, especially, you know, this gets into biblical translation. I don't know if in three years we've really talked about this, like the different types. You know, yeah. there's like... There's well, I took one semester of Hebrew and I was like, oh my God, this is like math. And they read backwards. And I mean, I don't even, I barely passed it. So I, didn't I, I don't know a lot about Hebrew. Yeah. Well, I, um, we got to pick either Greek or Hebrew and I chose Greek. And mm-hmm. some people also took a semester of Hebrew. I, I actually know more Hebrew than you do then. If I yeah, took yeah. Uh, uh, virtually <laughs> everyone does. Um, but but when you think about translations, there's some translations, I forget the terms for them, but some of them are more mechanical. They try to do the exact word. It's very rough. And we've right. all read Bibles where it's, yeah, it gets the point across. And we think, you know, that might be something that tries to force in the acrostic, A, B, C, D, E. It might be hard to read. Then there's a more fluid or dynamic translation that tries to keep the sense, but maintain the beauty of the language. Because, right, like these folks who were writers, this beautiful language, particularly when you think of the Psalms or Proverbs or Lamentations. So something like that, 
we maintain the beauty of the language. There's beautiful language in this, but we have to give up maybe the acrostic nature of it. Um, so it's something that we're not going to recognize, but folks back then would immediately see this and it would click. Um, and it's something we see elsewhere. The Psalms has some acrostics in it, other places. Like it was a, a more popular device back then, I think. No one writes really poems like that anymore. Yeah, you know, it'd be interesting to have our our rabbi friend back on because, you know, one of the things I was saying early on is it's still used by the Jewish people, you know, to celebrate different um, fastings and mourning in their tradition. And like, I wonder if when they pray these prayers or read the scripture, like, how are they reading? I mean, of course, they're reading it in English if you're in um, an English speaking country. But does it have that same feeling and that same flow? Or is it something they would recognize because they know the Torah? They they study it so much more and and in the actual Hebrew language, right? I mean, when you're learning, um, when you're in the Jewish culture and you're Jewish, you are learning and you have your bats mitzvah, you're learning the Torah in the Hebrew language, right? I mean, that's my understanding. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that strikes me here is, um, I mean, this, these are almost protest anthems, right? Like you think about, People are perceiving that God is doing these things and they're angry and they're lamenting. Um, they're not just like crying out. They like actually want to change God's mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there, when we march for whatever it is, we don't just say random words. Mm-hmm. It's hell no, we won't go. Or it's, you know, we come up with chants. We come up with things that are more beautiful and memorable. So I see that kind of in here mm-hmm. is it's almost an anthem where you think about songs, right? that are kind of protest songs. They're beautiful and it, it moves the heart and the idea here, hopefully it'll move the heart of God. Um, but even if not, it's cathartic. Yeah. And so you, you think about protests, right? There's Israel Palestine protests on both sides in every major city or black lives matter protest or March for life or, um, student marches after shooting, whatever the March is. You obviously want to affect change. You want people in power to notice and change their mind about whatever it is. But even if that doesn't happen, there's something cathartic about it. Like I've been to marches and like, even though nothing happens, like I feel like I've released, I've lamented, I've yelled, I've, mm, I've let that out. I I love that. And I think that's so important. Like, even if nothing's changed, we've expressed ourselves. And I think that word lament is so important because especially for those of us that are like half glass full people, we forget that we need to lament. We need to express. And sometimes when we do that, it helps us to more healthiness, right? And more better relationship with God. And like, we talk about this all the time, but like God can take it. God can take our woes and our, you know, before my parents left today, um, the three of us sat around and just, we're just praying for some things that are happening in our lives. And like they were real sorrow and agony and they were not all thankfulness things. They were, you know, be with us as we move through these tough times. And where are you, God? And, and I didn't feel worried about it because I know God can take it. And I know God needed to hear that struggle and agony within me. And that lamenting is important. Super important. Yeah. I mean, you probably, like me, every week someone comes up and is like, can I be mad at God? Absolutely. Yeah, you can. Um, like, just open up 
the Bible, and you're going to find a lot of people that are really upset with God. But then there's, I saw this video on Instagram um, of a Calvinist pastor, um, and he's answering a question. Someone's like, you know, my this person's kid died. And he's like, how do I wrestle with my anger with God? And this, this church leader's response was, you need to crawl through broken glass and repent of your anger with God. Mm. I'm like, number one, that's really bad pastorally to talk yeah, to a grieving father. But has this person not read the Bible? Right. Where are you getting Bob's, this from? <laughs> yeah. Like God's actually big enough to, to take it. God invites it. And um, it's, it's good for, and I think about, I obviously don't want to upset people that I love, um, but I upset my boys all the time. I upset loved ones all the time. And it does not feel good when they point it out, but there's healing that can happen. There's deepening of connection that can happen. It's actually a net positive when you raise an issue yeah, and say, hey, this didn't make me feel good when you did this. Yeah. There's a chance for repair and restoration. So like maybe it's actually a good thing, not just an okay thing, but maybe it's an actually good thing for us to express anger with God sometimes. For sure. I totally agree. Uh, 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 and with each other and like not yeah. anger, but like how we are relating to each other. I want to um, point out um, what grandmother underlined. So I'm in... Lamentations 3, verse, this is verse 22 through 33. Now, again, this is poetic. This is a translation, but this feels this feels interesting that she would underline this, but also like maybe this is just God's way of telling us this is what we need to hear today. The Lord's unfailing love and mercy still continue, fresh as the morning, as sure as the sunrise. The Lord is all I have, and so in Him I put my hope. The Lord is good to everyone who trusts in Him. So it's best for us to wait in patience, to wait for Him to save us. And it's best to learn this patience in our youth. When we suffer, we should sit alone in silent patience. We should bow in submission, for there may still be hope. Though beaten and insulted, we should accept it all. The the Lord is merciful and will not reject us forever. He may bring us sorrow, but his love for us is sure and strong. He takes no pleasure in causing us grief or pain. You know, there's a lot of interesting stuff in that. You know, the Lord is good to everyone who trusts in him. And so we think, oh, we trust in you, Lord. You should be good to us all the time. But also like a few verses later, it's like there may be sorrow, but his love for us is sure and strong. And he takes no pleasure in, in grief or pain, you know, um, and, and remembering that the Lord is not out there to, you know, cause us. This is just how life is sometimes. Right? Yeah, this, you know, Lamentations 3, um, that's the reading for Holy Saturday. It, right. it might be my, um, the most meaningful service for me yeah. of the year. Right. Uh, Holy Saturday. It's like half a page in the prayer book. Yeah, You've probably never it. been to a Holy Saturday service listeners. Maybe you have. 
We I do one like, at Church of the Resurrection every year. They yeah, we do one. It's me and whoever's on Altar Guild and maybe one or two others. We do it in the chapel. It's the only service we do in the chapel. It's the only service of the year where, like, literally nothing can be there. Right? Yeah. You can't do reserved sacrament. You can't do any of it. Yeah. It's just stripped bare. And we read this. It's one of the options. Um, and so we talk about, I'm one who has seen affliction under the wrath of God. He has driven me and brought me to darkness. So it starts with this, the reading for Holy Saturday. Like we are in utter darkness. That's what Holy Saturday is, right? Uh, but even in that dark place, the end of the reading, it's 22. Mm-hmm. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Yeah. And so even on the darkest day of the year, even in the darkest moments of our lives, right. even when we're pissed off, we can still say, I'm mad and I know your love never fails. Yeah. Those two things can coexist. I think that's a real gift and actually to recognize that, right? Um, I'm a person that processes and like has to verbally process and so I feel like when I'm able to say that, like it's cleansing to me in some ways, you know, and I'm able to talk it out, whether it's with God or with Alan or a friend or whatever. Um, not that Alan's not a friend, but you know what I mean? All that together. I, it's like a different, it's, there's something about it, you know? And I also think it helps us to remember how much we can trust in God, that God can, can hold up, as you said, both that anger and that mercy all at the same time. God yeah. has you that. Think about it interpersonally, right? You and Murray, you're, when we're with a spouse or a partner or a loved one, right? Like we can be so angry at them. Yep. And also realize we're on the same team. Yeah. Yeah. Like love them to death, but don't want to be in the room with them at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Like we know, like we can be so angry, but we also don't forget we're, we're moving in the same direction. Absolutely. And those two things are okay. They can coexist. I think that's such a great point. And I'm so thankful that Lamentations like helps us see that, you know, um, because I think we just want to either be everything's horrible or everything's great. And remembering that we can hold all that God can hold all those together at the same time. It's a real gift Lamentations brings to us. Um, I feel like it's a it's a book of the Bible that we just kind of want to skip over sometimes, but there's actually, it's actually in the lectionary a lot. Um, I've preached on it several times, um, you know, and, and I think it is actually a book of the Bible that feels very like real life. Like this is, this is the stuff, you know, of life. Um, whether it's, you know, heartache, um, in, uh, on the other side of the world right now, or it's heartache in your life right now. Um, I had two uh, parishioners um, have unexpected deaths on their, in their family on Friday. Right. And so they were like, ah, like so hard and like in the middle of Thanksgiving, you know, blah, blah, you know, all that stuff, you know, and, Will it taint the Thanksgiving weekend forever? You know, like that, all that, you know, that goes along with it. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe, but maybe after you mourn and you grieve, which goes on the rest of your life, you might find 
a new something that comes in that, you know, a new happiness, a new tradition, a new, you know, I don't know what that looks like, but I believe that God will show that to us. You know, It looks like the Feast of St. Dale. I don't know that I've ever talked about okay, this. Yeah, so, Saint yeah my, my dad's birthday is November 21st, always falls around Thanksgiving. Right. Uh, and so he died in 2017. And every year since, my family, all 300 of us, no, it's like 16, 17, I forget, uh, we gather around hibachi tables. My dad loved hibachi. And so we, um, it was our Thanksgiving meal this year. We went on Friday because, you know, we did separate family Thanksgivings, extended families hard. Mm -hmm. And so here, like, we're remembering the hardest thing any of us have ever gone through. Right. But we're laughing and this guy's making onion volcanoes and flipping eggs around because we can find the joy in the midst of the sorrow. Right. That's that's what lamentation is. We're going to be upset and we're going to remember this is my dad's birthday and I miss the hell out of that guy. But like. I have my family here and we get to go remember the good times while also mourning the bad. I mean, that's that's what this is. I love that. The Feast of St. Dale. Thank you for sharing that. And I hope we can always find that, you know, um, in our journeys in life, um, because there will certainly be lots of ups and lots of downs, as Lamentation shows us, and just about every book of the Bible shows us, right? Like, I mean, it is not, it is not just this one. Um, so this is good. So we're getting through, we're getting through the Old Testament. So next week, we will be talking about Ezekiel. Um, and you know, it is our hope, um, although we will not rush it, it is our hope that by the end of this sort of academic year, we will have finished the old Testament and then we can move into, um, the new Testament next fall. So anyway, so glad to be with you, Alan. So glad to be with you listeners. We look forward to next week and as always remember that we love you, but most importantly, God does. (laughs) 